morning. Why don't you greet someone as you take a seat? Good morning, West. Great to be with you this morning in the west of our city. I was thinking about you in the west and I saw a picture of a rain cloud and raining in the west. And I really, really believe that the Holy Spirit wants to rain in that part of our city and that there's significant things ahead for you as you continue to uh, build a team there and then as we prepare ourselves to launch out to the city. I know that God's got his hand on you guys, so be encouraged. We are with you, even though we're not with you. We are with you. How's that for confusing? We are very good. And anyone else online, great to have you as well today. Well, I got back from India. Thank you for your prayers. Appreciated it. Uh, the week or so before I went, 10 days, I think, before I was meant to go to India, I got COVID. That was a bit of a mission. And uh, anyway, I uh, thank you for praying because I went negative the day before I got on the plane, which was very good. And um, I had, I'd never heard of it. I had this thing called COVID eyes. My goodness, it's horrible. I hope you never experience it. It's terrible. It's a bit like archive, but it just hangs around for like a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, miserable. But I'm coming right slowly. Jan would say slowly. But... Anyway, it's good. So India went well. Mission accomplished. I love, love uh, visiting the family in India. They're just awesome people to be doing the journey of life with. And we've got a lot of history. Um, you know, I've personally been going there for over 10 years now. Wow. And um, so, so they do really feel like extended family. And, um, you know, I remember being quite tense when I first used to go there, but I just sort of click into my... I just click in now, and it's it's India. I love being there. I love the people there, and it really is a privilege to be able to journey with them. And um, so I bring greetings from uh, the whole team there to us. Anyway, we're all going on a ah. See, bunch of heathens. You all know it. I think it, it is Cliff Richard, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, you, you'd hardly call him a heathen. <laughs> He's not a heathen. <laughs> Anyway, what's the next line? We're all going on a summer holiday. No more working week or two for a week or two for a week or two. I trust you are going to get a break at some point over the break and that you will find it refreshing and that uh, you will find yourself in a space where God can speak to you. But how many of us know that if the whole of life was a break, was a holiday? I know initially you go, that would be awesome. That's because it's December and we're tired. But if, if the whole of life was a break, was a holiday, I think we'd have a few issues. Uh, I think you'd have a few issues if the whole of life was a break. You know, there'd be too much time on our hands. We'd just have no sense of purpose. Um, it would cause more issues than benefits if the whole of life was a holiday. So just park that thought and don't do anything with it for a little while. Have you ever bought something at a store? You know, you've gone in, you weren't planning on it, and the salesperson, they might have been really good. Either that or it was an impulse buy. Um, or um, You might have even done it online. You know, you've just sort of seen the picture of that nice new dress or whatever it was and gone, I'll take that, click. But, but when you get the article home, it really doesn't live up to the expectation of it. I, I've fallen into this trap many, many times. 
particularly with tools. You know, if I go to Bunnings or Mighty 10 or somewhere, I've normally got a project on the go somewhere, and I'll see a tool, and I haven't normally researched it. I'll see it, and I'll go, that's just what I need. So I buy it, I take it home, and when I get home, I discover it's not fit for purpose. It does not do the job that it said it would do or that I thought it would do. It's not fit for purpose. So I remember once getting a ute, and I thought, I just I need a ute. So I get a ute because a ute can do anything. You've all seen the ads. They're incredible. So I get the ute. The first trip out in it, I'm taking the boat to the, to the lake or whatever, down, have a wonderful day, come to go home, can't pull the boat off the boat ramp because it just sits there spinning its wheels. Not fit for purpose. It's like it cannot do what they told me it could do, uh, which is frustrating because it means you've got to buy another boat ute that can do what it says it'll do. But... but What's that? That's right, that's right. But it wasn't fit for purpose. Quite simply, it was not fit for purpose. I've got a question this morning. I'm, I'm deliberately, because I know your holidays are coming, I'm going to provoke you a little bit this morning, okay? I'm going to push your buttons. I'm, I'm going to try. I, I, I want you to leave here. When, when you leave here, during your holiday, I just want to hear reports back like, darn you, Sheridan. <laughs> that's what I want to hear. So, thank, thank you. Um, so, here's my question. Are you fit for purpose? Are you fit for purpose? See, Jesus, he died. He's delivered everything he said he's going to deliver. We're not quite yet. He's coming back. He's not back yet. He's doing everything he said. But are you doing everything you said you'd do when you gave your life to Jesus? Are you living up to your end of the bargain? Or is he sitting there looking at his church going, oh man, they're simply not fit for purpose. That's, they can't do what I've asked them to do, or they're not doing what I've asked them to do. We're thinking about not very comfortable thought, but I'm not here to make your life comfortable today. You see, I'm not convinced that the church in the West is fit for purpose. I think about it a lot, of course. But I, I'm not convinced we are fit for purpose. I think that, that because of the state of our culture that we live in and our desperate desire of the church, and when I say the church, I'm not talking about the organization. I'm talking about you and me because we are the church. When we come together, what we corporately bring together is the church, okay? Yeah. I think because of the state of our culture and the desperate desire of the church to impact and show the relevance and beauty and wonder of God to the people, I think somehow we've presented the gospel as a product rather than a relationship. And I can't help but wonder if what we've presented is not fit for purpose. I don't think we've done it on purpose. But I can't help if what has been presented is not fit for purpose. You see, you may have signed up and somehow in your signing up to Jesus, you're, you're expecting a cruise, a cruise through life. That it's going to be a, a bunch of fluffies, all roses, all of the time. An eternal holiday. But it's not. And the truth is, that when you signed up and said yes to Jesus, you didn't sign up for a holiday. 
you joined an army. You joined an army. And the job of that army, and it might be an army of love, but a job is not yet done. Not yet done. So the challenge is that the crew's experience and the crew's expectation, I think, has left us unfit for purpose. Can I have my first slide, please, Kit? <clears throat> See, I think that's what many of us thought we signed up for. I give my life to Jesus, everything will be dandy. I go on a holiday, eat free ice cream, and go on water slides on the ship for the rest of my life. Wonderful. That, that's, oh, it's a nice picture, isn't it? Get to December, that is a nice picture. I don't know about you, it's been a year. And, uh, and, and I get to December, and I think, yeah, as much as I love being with you, I think I'd rather be there this morning. Um, uh, sorry, I would have you with me, Jan. <coughs> Uh, I'm just being honest. You know, that looks very attractive, doesn't it? It, it's, it, it, looks, it looks super attractive. It, it's, it, but the problem is we've allowed, maybe even we've promoted, that this is the, this is the picture of being a Christian. I give my life to Jesus, give my heart to Jesus, and then everything from there on is just going to be a cruise. I'm just going to sail away. Beautiful. But it's not the truth. The truth is, when you signed up, it's more like this picture. It's this. It's this. It's an aircraft carrier. And that when you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to this. You see, the Bible is full of imagery that presents us, that, that presents military pictures. Battle pictures, Ephesians 6, 2 Timothy, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, on and on it goes, present pictures of soldiers. Other pictures of athletes. So whether it's a military picture or it's an athletic picture that the Bible's presenting, one thing I can tell you it never presents is a cruise ship and a cruise liner. It actually says that when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to being on mission. We, we said yes to be. The challenge of the Western church is that we've walked with this cruise liner mentality, the summer holiday mentality for so long that it almost feels harsh and a little bit wrong to bring a correction. But we've got to bring the correction. Jesus isn't coming back for a cruise liner. And he's not got us on a cruise liner. He's got a job for us to do. You see, I think one of the old presidents in America said, didn't they, it's, it's not what you can do, uh, what the country can do for you, it's what you can do for your country. Well, it's not what the church can do for you, it's what you can do for the kingdom. Because we're on assignment, and we've got a destination, and we are going somewhere. A cruise ship is, uh, dest is designed for providing passengers with a luxury holiday. It includes accommodation, entertainment, amenities, and comfort, and food. It's all about leisure. It's all about entertainment. It's all about luxury. It's all about everything about a cruise liner is about the passenger's experience and the passenger's pleasure. Now, that's all right for a window. But cruise liners aren't actually designed for you to live on. A time, maybe. But the thing is, we have been called to be an aircraft carrier. 
Aircraft carrier, one ship much, uh, of a larger fleet, one part of the body. They provide air cover while uh, on assignment and while different groups are completing their assignments. They're a platform for mission. They're specific and strategic to mission. They're flexible. They're mobile. They're responsive. And here's the thing. When you were saved, when you gave your life to God, you didn't go on there as a passenger. You went on there as crew. There's no passengers on here. Everyone's got a job to do. Everyone has a job to do. Crew. They're a base for humanitarian efforts. They're a demonstration of power and authority. They're flagships for the, the command and control. They, they gather intelligence and reconnaissance. They, they're sovereign territory. In other words, wherever that ship is, it represents whatever its country is. Wherever we are, we represent the kingdom of heaven. The aircraft carrier is, for, is far more about mission than it's about the crew's pleasure or the crew's comfort. And it's about, it's not about passengers. Because as I said, as soon as you get on there, your crew. As soon as you get on there, your crew. The internet defines a difference like this. It says, cruise ships and aircraft carriers are large vessels that operate on the water. However, their purposes, designs, and functionalities are fundamentally different. Cruise ships prioritize passenger comfort and leisure travel. Aircraft carriers are military vessels focused on supporting air operations and projecting military power. They might both float on the sea, but they're completely different. Completely different. Our Western Christianity, the era perhaps of our, or the misrepresentation I fear that we've made is going to set us up for difficulty in the future. Because we've allowed generations in the West to buy into this. Where it's this. And we've got to make a shift. Can I make it a little bit more blunt? You've got to make a shift. You know, it, it, it's incredible. I get blown away. I don't know people, so don't worry about this. This is just a the comment. I don't know who. But, you know, we, we changed coffee in the church. We made... We closed the coffee thing 10 minutes earlier, I think, than we have previously because we just really wanted the, the value to reflect that, that we come to church to worship Jesus before we drink coffee. And, and it's kind of helpful if you're in here when we're worshiping Jesus and not out there drinking coffee. And we had complaints. It's free coffee. It's free. And we still had complaints. You go, that's a, that's a cruise liner mentality. That's not a, that's not a aircraft carrier. I'm sure some of their, oh, they probably have good coffee on there, I don't know, but you'll get it when they say, not when you say. I'm sure of that. John Stott, he's a theologian, he wrote in his book, uh, Basic Christianity, he describes that what he's describing is the outcome of the problem because we've promoted this, probably unknowingly, rather than this. He says the Christian landscape is strewn with the wreckage of derelict, half-built towers, the ruins of those who began to build but were unable to finish. In other words, my words, the cost of following Jesus come, becomes too much for many because either, number one, it was never truly considered, or number two, it was considered but through the wrong paradigm. We saw it through this rather than this. 
Or number three, we simply got distracted along the way. Oh, the world is full of distractions, isn't it? There's plenty of distractions to distract us. The scripture says it this way in Luke 14, 25 to 34. It says, the large crowd was following Jesus. Uh, He turned and he said to them, this is Jesus' words, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. I guess that shouldn't come as a surprise, should it? We gave our life to Jesus. You just didn't give your, your assent to Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus when you became a Christian. Gave your life. And when you were baptized, you died to self. You were raised up a new creature in Christ. That's what it's saying. It's just reminding us what we actually did. We didn't just say, oh, Jesus, you're a good idea. I'm just going to tag along and for the free ice creams. No, you actually, we gave our life to Christ. That, um, that first song we sang this morning, I'm a friend of God, I love it. I, it's, it's, I, I do love it. I love that gospel vibe. But I can't help, and I'm, I'm going to wreck you, sorry, but, but, but when we're singing it, it reminds me of the tune of the love boat. There's just something in it. You remember the old TV program in the 70s or 80s, the love boat? I know, either they, yeah. It just is something about it, and it's, is it the rhythm, is it? It's something about it, it just like every time I sing it, I go, oh, I feel like I'm on the love boat. Anyway, that's probably a bad thing, eh? Because that's the point I'm making. But anyway, we carry on. Um, Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin constructing or construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Praise the Lord, they finished the roof on the new building this week. (coughs) Amen. Haven't paid for it yet, so feel free to give in to it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. In other words, does it own you or do you own it? Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? I fear that we've allowed generations to believe, which is good, but believing's only the starting place. We're called to be disciples. Uh, Believing's where we start, you know, in Romans chapter 10. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that the Father raised him from the grave on the third day, you will be saved, connected to Jesus. The relationship starts. But it's the starting point. We're called to be disciples of Christ. Disciples, it's like mini-Christs. It's ones who follow Jesus. It's ones who model themselves after the Master. Not just believe in Him. It's ones who are focused and disciplined, who obey Him. And I fear because we haven't pushed enough there, 
we've allowed generations to rise who giving of our lives to him is a bit grey. What it means is a bit, a bit grey. It, the giving of our lives is missing in many cases. Uh, many cases. We'll, we'll give till it's inconvenient of ourselves until it's inconvenient. At which point it suddenly gets too hard. But we're to give of ourselves completely. If you don't like what I'm saying, take it up with the author of the book. Give of ourselves completely. We're not on any cruise, but I feel that we often think we've signed up for a cruise, but we've forgotten that when we said yes to Jesus, we actually signed up for a cause, not a cruise. In fact, when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to his tomb, i.e. dying to self, not to simply filling a room. We said yes to his tomb. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's everything. So we've got a Western culture which has bled into a Western Christian culture of leisure and of self rather than commission. So we consume rather than build, we accommodate rather than conquer, we receive rather than sow, we tip rather than tithe, we hold but we don't release, we judge others on intention and ourselves on, uh, sorry, ourselves on intention and others on action, we speak but we don't act, we hear but we don't believe, we tell but we don't model, we consider now but we forget about eternity, we embrace the grey and not the truth, we uh, counter truth but we still disobey, we see but we choose not to see, we're more happy to live in the legacy that others have created, instead of paying it forward. And I cannot help but wonder if all this adds up to, when Jesus looks at the church in the West today, he goes, they're not fit for purpose because I've given us a job to do. And it's not going to happen with a cruise liner mentality. We need an aircraft carrier mentality. I don't know about you, but when I stand in front of Jesus, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And we are going to stand in front of him. He is coming back for his church. You know, it's not a fairy story. If it is, boy, this is a waste of time, isn't it? He's coming back for his church. He's coming back for his people. He's coming back. And I don't know about you, but I have a sense of urgency around that. James 4, 13 to 17. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year, we'll do business and we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life's like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and we will do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own plans. And all such boasting is evil. Remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then do not do it. So I, I 
carrying a strong conviction that we, we simply cannot approach the purposes and the plans of God with a cruise ship mentality. We get one shot at this, don't you? No, there's, there's one thing certain. Once you are born, there's one thing certain. You will die. The issue is when. We have this gap in the middle that we get to fill our life with whatever we choose to fill our life with, whatever cause we choose to fill our life with. And this is it. And we can cruise our lives away or we can walk purposed. Walk on mission. Jan's auntie passed away this week. She's a lovely lady. But Jan and I were talking about it and, 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 and the comment or the, you know, just came up in our conversation that that's it, she's done. She's done her time here. That's it, there's no replay. There's no, we'll try again. There's no second time through. It's like, what is done is done. What, and who knows how long each of us have. You know, I may be here or not here next week. Who knows? I don't. Uh, you may or may not be here next week. Who knows? We, we just have this gap. But we don't. We, just, we live in a fairyland in the West. We live in a fairyland like we've got forever and it doesn't matter. We can just cruise our lives away. I think that God's asking for change. I think that God is stirring and he's saying, come on, get some urgency in it. I'm looking for an aircraft carrier mentality, not a cruise ship mentality. Make it count. James chapter 1, verse 22. But, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But we do that so often. Read the word, walk away. So let me just hit you with a few questions to think about on your summer holiday as I start to close. Actually, if the band would like to come back, you'd be great. Thanks. First question, are you fit for purpose? Are you fit for purpose? Second question. Have you grasped that you are the crew on an aircraft carrier or are you simply cruising your life away? I know they're not comfortable questions, but I feel I'd do you a disservice not to ask them. What are you doing with God's plan and purpose for your life? Have you done the last thing that he asked you to do? Or is your obedience lying beside a pool on a cruise ship somewhere? When you gave your life to Christ, did you? Did you fully surrender your will or only to the point of inconvenience? My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I live this in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. My old self has been crucified, has it? Is it? Are you on a cruise boat or are you part of God's army? Are we kingdom focused? Are we purposed? Are we courageous? Or have we been seduced by the lie that it's all about me and it's all about now and I'm cruising my life away? It's about my convenience, my pleasure, my luxury. I think these are great questions to ask. They're uncomfortable, sure. But when we said yes to Jesus, we didn't say yes to comfortable. We said yes to dying to ourselves. We said yes to making his cause our cause. We said yes to saying yes to him. And sometimes I think it's just really, really good to stop and to assess that. I think it's good in any part of life to do a self-audit from time to time and go, actually, am I living true to my values? Am I doing what I said I was going to do? Am I following through on what I said I am going to do? Am I representing who I want to represent? It's good to do those things from time to time. And essentially, I guess I'm doing that this morning in your faith walk, our faith walk. So I think we need to take stock. <clears throat> and I think if the Holy Spirit puts his finger on anything, we actually need to ask forgiveness really smartly. Lord, okay. I'm sorry, help me please to walk another way. I see what I've been doing. I see how I've been approaching that. Now help me to walk another way. Help me to walk your way, according to your ways, your values, your purpose in a way that represents you well. We need to change our thinking, our speech, our actions, whatever it takes. It's interesting, isn't it? Because it means when you give your life to Jesus, you're not just making up numbers on a cruise ship, you're actually signing up to be the crew on an effective working vessel I imagine if every person was doing what they're called to do the incredible impact the church could have across our nation across the nations you know if we all lived knowing that Jesus could come back tomorrow it's it's funny um, it's not funny it's far from funny You, you watch people, if they are diagnosed with a terminal sickness, their attitude completely changes to life, completely. Suddenly they become really focused on what they want to do. You hear things, well, I hear things all the time, like, oh, man, I just, I just wish I'd talked about Jesus more. Oh, I just wish I'd done what Jesus had asked me to do. I just wish I'd been more focused on the mission that he had asked me to be focused on. But here's the deal. You and I are all terminal. Hey, we are. Just don't know when. See, my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that when I stand in front of Jesus at the end of time, he goes, well done. I don't want to kind of walk in there going, "Mm, blow, should have, should have done this, should have done that, should have. I really hope that I can stand and go, I gave it my, I know I mucked it up a lot, but I gave it my best shot. I, 
I stayed faithful to the very end. That's my prayer for you too, is that when you walk into the presence of God at the end of your time on this planet, you go, I gave it my best. I gave it my best shot. Because you see, just the fact that you're here today and I'm talking about cruise liners and ships, you're not going to be able to say to Jesus, oh, I didn't know. You'll go, actually, hang on. Hang on. My my dream for you actually while you're on holiday this year is you'll be lying on the beach. You close your eyes and you'll see a cruise ship. Oh, right. Jolly Sheridan. You'll be driving past through Tauranga or somewhere, past the wharf, see a big boat. Blow it all, Jolly Sheridan. You'll lie down to go to sleep at night or you'll turn on the TV to watch a movie. It'll be about a cruise liner. Oh, darn it. I'm planting this little seed in you that's going to annoy you for all of summer. You see a military boat if you go up north. See Devonport. Oh, that's right. Blow. I forgot about that. Yeah, blow. Blow.